Well, good afternoon and happy Friday. It is Friday, April 10th. This is Jeffrey and Jamie back for a second podcast, Biz Talk with Jeffrey and Jamie. We just wanted to uh, talk a little bit about independent contractors and some issues around that uh, related to uh, classifications, unemployment, and then a little bit about workers' compensation. If you did not uh, participate in the uh, town hall call uh, just now with the Oklahoma Employment Security Commission, just a few little nuggets of information and updates. Remember that self-employed and contractors, we are not traditionally eligible for unemployment, but because of COVID-19, we are going to be eligible. You do need to go ahead and apply for regular unemployment now. You will be denied because the state does not have any record of self-employed or contractor wages in their system. So don't be alarmed when you get a denial letter back. Um, you don't need to appeal that. That is just going to slow down the process, but you do need to wait. Once the pandemic unemployment assistance is available, then you will become eligible and you will provide additional information and they will reach out. So go ahead and apply, mark yourself as the employer and just wait. Uh, so then we wanted to talk a little bit about just generally contractors versus employees. If you are fortunate enough to be hired right now for perhaps a business that is um, able to provide services in a different way, or if you are a business owner who is hiring people, that's great. I just wanted to again caution and remind everyone, understand who and how you're hiring. Yes, it is much easier to hire contractors. You don't have withholding issues. There is less paperwork. But if you are treating someone as an employee, and by that I mean uh, situations such as telling them when to do their work, even if it's working from home, if you're setting a schedule for them, if you're telling them how to do a job, if you're providing tools for them to do a job, that all sounds like an employee. Now there are situations that can be gray and it's not as clear cut. And so if you're not sure, I would advise you to reach out for some clarification but just understand that just because it's easier to hire someone as a contractor and just because we have this uh, pandemic situation going on, if you're treating someone as an employee, they're probably still going to be an employee. And you don't want to get through this period of time and then have uh, penalties and fines for misclassification. That's not where we want to be. Uh, Jeffrey, uh, what would you like to talk about today? Well, uh, before I start talking about work in Wisconsin, I'll just add to, to that a little bit is is it's been real easy in the past for somebody to just say, well, I'm an independent contractor. And just because somebody declares themselves an independent contractor doesn't make them so. And as we talk about workman's comp, we will get into how the state views that as well. But it's really important that you understand as an employer or somebody who is hiring somebody to do work for you what that status is. Workman's comp insurance is the only insurance coverage that's actually required by the state of Oklahoma. So anybody that has any employees has to cover them with workman's comp insurance. It used to be that you could um, fill out an affidavit and have it notarized and declare yourself an independent contractor. That no longer works for workman's comp any longer. What you have to do is you have to go to the workman's comp commission um, and you can do this through their website, but you go in and you actually apply for exempt an exempt status card. 
It costs $50 to do that, and then they'll either approve you or not. You don't get your $50 back if they don't approve you, but once you get that card uh, and they do approve you, it's good for two years. So that $50 fee is good for two years from the date that you applied going along. So if somebody, for example, um, you hire somebody that has a exempt status card to do some work for you, the moment they bring anybody with them on the job, if they don't have their own exempt status card, you become responsible for their workman's comp. So if they get hurt on the job or they make a claim against you and they don't have it, you'll be liable. And just to clarify, so when you go on the website, it is still called an affidavit of, of exempt status. So that's still what it's called, and you pay, you fill that out with the $50 filing fee, but then you're supposed to get a card back. Is that what you're saying? That's right. That's okay. what I'm saying. Yep. And so if you are a, uh, say, business owner who hires multiple independent contractors, you have that has to be on file for everyone, every single contractor. It's per contractor, not per job. Is that right? Yeah. L let me go just a little bit deeper into that, Jamie. So when you, uh, if you are audited by the Workman's Comp Commission, they're going to ask to see one of two things, that you have on file a certificate of insurance that everybody that's done work for you had workman's comp or you have in your file this this exempt you know workman's comp exemption status card if you don't have one of those two things then you could be liable to pay you could be liable for fines you could even be liable for jail time potentially if in fact you don't have those those things on file Great, that's all good information to have. The other thing I would say about contractors, um, I think it's very important uh, for the uh, contractor uh, relationship that you have an independent contractor agreement. It um, identifies for one thing that they're a contractor, and so it's clear that they are not eligible for, for benefits, uh, for um, any other uh, programs you would have if as if uh, they were an employee. But just because you have that agreement, um, if you're still treating them like an employee, then they're going to be considered an employee. So while it's important to have that agreement in writing for multiple reasons, um, you still have to treat them then like a contractor. But some other things you'd want in that agreement, uh, aside from the, the statement, the acknowledgement that they're a contractor, would be the, the scope of work. Uh, what, are, what are you having them do? So what are the qualifications? What are the skills? How are they going to be paid? Um, if, if you don't get paid from your client, um, do they get paid? Um, is it, did they submit an invoice, hopefully? Um, what's the timing on that? So there's a lot of things. It doesn't have to be an extremely lengthy document, uh, but there are a number of things that, that I would recommend putting um, in a basic uh, independent contractor agreement. Jamie, there's, that's really a good point. And, and if I could just highlight the fact that if it's an independent contractor, it would make common sense that you would have a contract for that contractor. And so that's one of the things actually that that um, Workman's Comp Commission would look at too, would be um, do they have other contracts? Are they only doing work for you? Now they still can be an independent contractor and only do work for you, but if there is no contract in place, they don't work for anybody else, um, they don't have their own uh, company or LLC mm -hmm. formed which would show that they're independent, 
then all those things will weigh in to whether or not they have that kind of status or not. Exactly. As uh, with anything, um, the documentation um, is best uh, not only for defending yourself if you need to later, um, but also just so that everyone has uh, the correct understanding. Even if this someone doing work for you is a family member or friend, easiest way to have an, uh, an issue with a family member or friend is to involve money. So it's best while everyone's getting along to just set out in writing what uh, what's the job, what's the project, what's the scope, what's the payment, how is that going to work, and then it's also clear if you need it later for any uh, government entities or, or for your insurance. You know, that brings up a really good kind of case that I recently had with one of my clients. They had a person that worked for them for 20 years that was a friend, they considered them to be a friend, who always told them that he had his own workman's comp coverage, but they never asked for a certificate, never had anything on file. Well, recently he filed a claim against them. He never did have workman's comp coverage. They never verified it, they just took his word for it. Even though he's a friend, they ended up having to, to, to uh, pay out a claim for that person. God forbid somebody dies on the job um, for, for something that they were doing. Um, it could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars if it's not documented right. So your point about having things documented is really important on this subject matter. Well, great. Um, I have a, one yeah. more thing to talk about, uh, as long as if, if I can just add about workman's comp. If you're a contractor and you're exempt and you typically don't have employees, you still can buy a workman's comp policy. It's called a no employee, no payroll policy. Depending on your class code, if you're a contractor, it's probably going to cost you somewhere between $350 and $500 a year to have a policy in place. What that does for you is if you actually then have somebody that you have uh, done work for you that you don't have on file, you can add them to that policy at any time, including at the end of the year when your policy is audited. Therefore, you're not liable for any claim that would come up on that person. So it's kind of like a, a, a little bit of a insurance, extra insurance policy for yourself saying, I have it in place if I need it. If I don't need it, I won't have to worry about it, but at least it's there. And that sounds like it could be a, a pretty affordable option as well. Very affordable. Okay. And so how are you working with your clients right now through COVID-19? Well, you know, we're working remotely and we're, we're there when they need them. When they need us, we're there. So we're kind of working all hours as it goes. It's been a very trying time, and, I, and I, I can't stress enough on how we all just have to be patient, be kind, and keep working through this. Um, there's a lot of things going on in the insurance industry that uh, we'll probably talk about in another podcast. Sure. So I know you're available through email and phone, and we'll, we'll, you, we'll have you give your uh, contact info in a second here. Uh, you can also you can meet with clients via phone. Also, I imagine video conferencing is an option. Right. And I know you have an app as well for people's phones. If they want to download the app, uh, they can access their policy documents uh, from their own phones, which is a nice option right now. That's right. So my contact information is, my office number is 918-939-9200. One two, and my email is Jeff J E F F at the letters O K C P C Insurance All Spelled Out dot com. 
Well, great. I am also fortunate enough to be able to work with clients remotely. I do a lot of phone and video conferencing. I also have uh, an ability to share documents securely. That's often a concern. Uh, that my, for my estate planning clients, it is a bit of a challenge coordinating in-person signings, so that has slowed down some, but I have been able to still do some of that following CDC guidelines. Uh, I am spending a lot of time working with my business owner clients on how they're impacted by this, whether their business is temporarily closed, uh, planning to reopen, uh, working remotely, uh, starting a business even, or planning for some changes. There's a variety of things we can do and talk about uh, still throughout this time, as well as trying to help navigate some of these uh, loan and funding programs with, uh, with them as well. My phone number in the office is 918-938-1322. You can also follow me on my business social media channels. And hope this has been helpful and have a great weekend, everyone.